last week we um, we talked about um, receiving. Remember, we talked about the receiving. How many were here last week? We talked about the receiving gate. Cool. How many were not here last week, but you're here this week? Yay, God. Look, all right. That's good. Well, it was a good word. And uh, I mean, I know it sounds funny, but it encourages me. I, so, I mean... It works on me. I, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't make it up either. It's not my word. So, uh, anyway, but, um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm eating it. So, um, the receiving gate. And we basically, just to recap a little bit, we talked about the man at the gate called Beautiful. And, and how they said to him, look at us. And he looked at them expecting to receive something. And so we talked about uh, expectancy. And um, and hope. And but we talked about the receiving gate of the heart and that it is it that that there is your heart actually has a gate and we we have the ability to open our heart or to close our heart. And um, and by the grace of God, it opens wide to God. And um, and so when we're when we're humble and hungry, the gate is open and um and so we're receiving today, and and uh, you can get that message if if you if you want to get it. We really, I, I do want you to know that um, that we're not just. Um, I'm not just. Uh, all right, I'll, there we go. Thanks, David. Um, we're not just speaking messages, um, but I, but I really want to build with God. I want to I want to partner with God and what He's doing. And so there's a building here. So I encourage you, if you didn't get the get the the message, then, um, you know, it, it's not about. Anyway, it's just about being on track with what what God is doing in our midst. And, and so I want I want uh, you to be on the journey. So if you missed it, go ahead and get it. And um, but you can receive the substance even now. So there's just an impartation for that today. And I felt compelled by the Lord today. Um, I'm going to read some scripture. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And um, I'm going to read some scripture. But I'm also just going to, I'm going to share some testimonies today. And and I just saw the Lord just stirring hunger in our midst and some of the testimonies are from the Bible, and some of them are from history, and some of them are from my own experience, and some of them are the, those that I've seen people around me experience, and, and because it's about God, and it's about what He wants to do. And one thing I know is that, uh, you know, the Bible says that uh, one plants and one waters, but God gives the increase. There, there is a part that only God can do. And and I really felt like the Lord wanted to encourage some people today that if you felt um, like heavy laden, you know, like like, in other words, God's hard work and and walking with the Lord is hard work and and living the Christian life is hard work. Then I just want to encourage you, like when it gets hard, it, it usually means that you started trying to do it yourself somewhere. And that is so hard. And uh, it's hard, it's so hard to do the impossible when you're not God. It's easy for God, right? With man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Um, todo es posible con Dios. 
I have a big, huge mug that I drink tea out of that says that. And, uh, and so um, all things are possible with God. And, and it's not all things are possible with me. All things are possible with God. And God is in me. God is with me. And, and so we want to just wet our, our, um, stir our hunger and let a thirst grow today. Because blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. So if you're, if you're feeling hungry, if you're feeling like there's God, God, there's more of you. I'm so thankful for who you are. I'm so thankful for what you're doing in my life. But I know there's more, God. Yeah, there's more. There's He's infinite. And it's going to take all of eternity really to never scratch the surface. I mean, can you imagine this God that we're going to know so intimately and so well? So on one hand, so deeply and so known by him, but also you will, we also know him and will know him well, like in eternity. And yet at the same time, never, ever, ever find the edges. Never, never, because he doesn't have any edges or any limit. And, and so he's, he's so big, like big doesn't even fit God because big is a measurable size and God can't be measured. And, and, and so, oh, like, so this isn't even what the message is about today, but it, I feel inspired. Like, you know, you know, when we gaze at God, we become like him. And, and we find out more about who he is, and then we experience more of who he is. But, but the beautiful thing is that we're, a lot of people are trying to explain God, but God can't be explained. He can only be known. And, and those that know God the most know that he cannot just be summed up and explained. And, and what you know is you've got to know him. But when you know him, you'll know him, and, and you'll understand. You'll understand. But, like, the more I know God, the less I can try to... You just got to know him. He's God. And, and, and so the, like when, the longer we gaze at God and the more we walk with God and the more we experience God and the more we know by, that's what the word means, yada. It means to experience intimately. It's not information. It's that we've been together. And that's what was known about the disciples, that they took note that they had been with Jesus. They didn't take note that they were scholarly. That they'd read their Bibles, that's good. Reading your Bible's good. But, but they, they took note that they had just been with Jesus. And something happened to them because they had experienced Christ firsthand. And so, the end of... Uh, there's no end to it, but if you will, the, the goal, when I say end, the goal or, or the result of beholding God is not that you can now sum Him up or explain Him better. It... It's that you throw your crown down and worship him. <laughs> That's what happens when you really see God. You go, you don't go. Now I get it. The more you gaze at God, the more you go. What can I say? There's no words, you know, and, and like you've got elders, 24 elders with glorified bodies, and that's all they can do. Holy, holy. So. So we want to gaze at him today, and um, and uh, we're gonna. Whoa, where do we start? I want to just uh, release a couple words. Um, I had a friend at the at the ceremony that came, and uh, and he gave he gave us a word for us, Mountain Chapel, and he he said 
the Lord showed me during worship. He said, I saw that in 10 years there would be news like headlines that said Weaverville is the happiest city in California. That's a good word. Hey, if Spokane, Washington could be the healthiest city in America. Listen, Weaverville can definitely be the happiest city in America, in California. And and so that's not a good word. Come on. Happiest city because of what the Lord has done. Um, yeah, so grace today. Um, where to start? I just got to jump in. Um, so uh, I, I, let me make some more declarations. I'm going to be reading from Acts 3, 19, and then uh, I'm going to. I'll just read to you 1 Samuel 10 a little bit. But if you want to turn to Acts, that's a great place to turn. Um, But I want to declare today that Mountain Chapel is a place to encounter God. This is a place where people can come and encounter God. And and, um, we just declare that. Let's agree. How many agree with that? I mean, we're encountering him right now. And it's just the beginning. And um, so, um, so God has always wanted direct communion with His people. This is what it's always been about. This is why God created man. So you know, it, God was God created man, put him in the garden. I'm just doing a quick catch up here on on the history with God and man. And it's going to be a blitz. But but he created man, put him in the garden, walked with him in the cool of the day. Unbroken fellowship, right? We all know what happened. The fall. And and so then there was a separation, yet not a separation from God's love, but a separation from communion with God, which he desires with man. Man is man and woman. But um, God desires intimacy with people, with us. And um, and so really the story of the Bible, when you look at it, is an endless pursuit where God is pursuing the restoration of this communion that he wants with people that, that he isn't it crazy that God wants us. And so you see that God begins to, you know, and I won't lay it out line by line this morning, but if you just look at how it how it comes, you know, like uh, Abraham encounters God and Job encountered God. And but, you know, some of these people that had their lives altered by God had like one or two actual like encounters with the Lord that they that they that their life just rode on. And and you see Abraham praying and you see him faithful with God to God, and, and you actually see like a love for God that Abraham had, the father of faith. But, but, um, but when you realize like what they were running with was like maybe, oh, I read about, it. I don't know, maybe there was more, but all I see is like a couple of encounters, a couple times God would even speak, you know, and then you and then you have frequency seems to increase. Like if you see a a sound frequency, right, it, it begins to increase as we approach the time, the coming of the Messiah. And then and and so by the time Jesus is on the earth, right, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Why? Because God is with us, Emmanuel, with us. 
But what but God with us, what he was actually doing is taking it a step further. And and, uh, you know, this just hit me so hard in the last year or two where I realized, like, because it's all about Jesus, isn't it? It's all about Jesus. But, you know, Jesus was actually setting us up for something that we have today that's far deeper than what we what they had then when it was God in the flesh with us. We still have God in the flesh with us, but we're the flesh that he's in. And and so so we went from God with us to God living inside of any believer who set who believes on Jesus. We're the temple of God. So the presence of God is the mark on our lives. And so I just want to point out before we read in Acts that that the church was birthed. Basically, out of a move of the Holy Spirit. And so, the way something begins should tell you what it's supposed to be like. Also, I would suggest that when a baby is born, that baby has not reached its full potential. So, you know, you hear it over the years, you know, we got to get back to the book of Acts. You're like, when the church was a baby? Like, there's more. And, and so, it's exciting. And so, um, okay, so I'm stirred up. And, um, and so, so, I just want to point this. And so, the point of the message today, and I better tell you so that you can track with me. The point of the message today is that God himself, the presence of God, is actually the change agent, if you will, in our lives and in our cities. In other words, it, it's not our, and I, I believe anointed teaching is the power of God. I believe that. The gospel is the power of God. But I'm just saying, it, it's not just our like notes and our, our creeds and our principles that transform lives. But, but those things reveal God who is actually the one who he is the life force that transforms every person. And, and so, so I've been transformed by encountering God. I, you know, how many have encountered God in ways that, that like, I've had, I've had experiences with God where I'm like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened, but there's a knowing inside of me that says, I was different after that. And I, and I suspect there's things in me that he's done that I don't really know what he did, but that's okay. As long as he did it, I need it. I don't have to understand everything he's doing, you know. And, and, and so when God moves, you know, sometimes it gets a little uncomfortable sometimes for, for those of us, you know. And, and we're, we're all different and, and we have our norms, but God has his norm, you know. And, and, and everything God does, he's just so vast. He's always, he can do new things. And I just want to say, like, when people get touched by God, they might act a certain way that's, that's different, that stretches us. Why you got to make that sound? Why you got to shake like that? Or you know, maybe they don't do anything. Maybe you just stand. So I just want to say, I feel like I'm, I, I just really feel to set context. In other words, like, it's okay. Like, we, we can trust God to do Whatever he wants to do. And he promises that whatever he does is always going to be good. And that's the only promise I really need. 
right? Like, I trust God. So, so I'm like, I don't know, God. I don't know what you're doing. But I know one thing. If you're doing it, it's good. And, and I know another thing. I've asked you to touch my life. And so I know that it's you touching my life. That, because when I've said, when I said, when I asked you for bread, you're not going to give me a stone. That's in the Bible. So we, we can believe that. You know, if I ask, you know, if I ask for an egg, you're not going to give me a scorpion. You know, so you don't have to worry about some weird spirit doing anything in your life. It just can't happen. You're a child of God. And when you've said, God, touch me by your spirit, his spirit is what you're going to get. And that's so anyway, I, I didn't plan to say this. I just feel like God is doing something among us and we can have peace and trust in him. And and like and and it, if it was up to me being smart enough and knowing my Bible well enough. And having a sharp enough intellect to keep myself in truth, I'd be in such big trouble. And so trust in the Lord is when you don't know all the details, but you know his nature. What's dad doing? I don't know. Dad doesn't always tell me what he's doing. But, but he's my dad. And, and, and my dad, he, he always takes care of me. And, and so whatever he's doing, you know what I mean? Dad, when are you going to do that? Well... And that's part of learning to trust dad, right? It's like, well, when are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to do it. Amen. God's doing something now. Let's just read here. You know, my first example today about how God transforms people. You know, Peter. How about Peter, you guys? You know, have you ever thought about this? Have you looked at Peter before, before the outpouring of the Spirit and Peter after? What in the world, Peter? Like, you got transformed. And I'm not saying God wasn't doing great things through him, like, because they sent him out. I know Peter was preaching and casting out devils and all the stuff was happening. But Peter, man, he was, he was a mess. I don't mean that, dis- I just mean, like, he was kind of everywhere. He was so bold and rash at times, you know. He's just like, throw on my cloak and go for a swim. Or the Lord's like, let me wash your feet, Peter. And, and, and he's like, no, you can't. And he goes, well, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. Well, then wash all of me. It's like, I can just imagine Jesus is like, settle down. Like, you know, like, why are you trying to change what I said I was going to do? You don't got to alter it. Just let me wash your feet. And, and like, you know, and he's like, you know, he's like, and I love how he was in Jesus' inner circle. Like, he's like, come up, come on to the mountain. Transfiguration. There's Peter again. Let me build houses for everybody. You know, oh gosh, okay. Great idea. And, um, and so, but you know, the Lord loved his zeal. This is what I think. The Lord loved his passion. He's like, I don't need you to be all dialed in. And sometimes he's like, you know, P- Peter's like, anyway, Peter's talking and the Lord's like, you know, get behind me, Satan. You're like, whoa, that, is, that escalated fast. So I'm just saying, like, so Jesus, so you got Peter, and now you've got the baptism of the Spirit. What happened? Transformed by the presence. I'm talking about literally in, like, who knows how long they were in there in the upper room before Peter could then stand up and explain what was happening. But I'm telling you, The Peter before the baptism and the one immediately following is a very different man. 
Man, he, he stands up and he is like, he is dialed. He is articulate. He is sharp. He is wise. He's got discernment. I mean, discretion. Like, Peter's got discretion now all of a sudden, which is probably the thing that he, anyway. And, and like, you know what I'm saying? And we're not going to go through, but if you read in, in, in the, that message he spoke, it's like, I bet you that his fellow disciples were like, you hear Peter's word? What the what in the world's happening with Peter? And again, you know, last week we preached about we talked we taught about the man at the gate called Beautiful. And then again, right after that happens, here you have Peter, you know, and and again he stands up and he starts to speak. And so, but the 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 uh, the verse that I just want to declare without reading all of this, I plan to read sections of this today. But the point is verse 19, and Peter says to them, but the thing, well, verse 18, but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets um, that his Christ would suffer, he has now fulfilled. Therefore, repent, change your mind, and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come by the presence of the Lord. So, Father, we thank you for times of refreshing by the presence of the Lord. And I really just felt today to share about times of refreshing. So, if you will, a little bit of story time, a little bit of testimony. And, um, and you know, I would tell you that, first of all, my own personal life, and you've heard me share a little bit, was so radically transformed by the presence of the Lord, the baptism. Of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that people are just going to keep coming in. And and what's going to happen is that they're going to encounter God. And that is what will change them. And, and um, you know, I, let's give one more example from the Bible. 1 Samuel 10. I love this. This is Old Testament. Samuel. It says, so, so uh, Samuel saying to Saul, after that you will go to... Um, uh, Gibeah of God, um, where there's a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being played before them. And they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord, this is such a good, how many would be happy about getting this word? The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, with the prophets. And you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Come on. Like a person who is possessed, if you will, by the presence, by the Spirit of God, actually finds that there's blessing on what they do. Because you know what happens? Your mind, your heart, everything changes. So suddenly the things you do... Yeah, Ian Bounds said it this way. He said, man looks for better methods. God looks for better men and, and, and women. But this is an, oh, it's like a 1930s book. But, but like, um, you know, I was talking about men back then, but women too. And, um, and so, uh, but, so if we put it, if we just, so God, man looks for better methods, right, aren't we? How to do it? What's the best idea? What's the best mechanism to change our city? And how are we going to change this person's life? And what, you know, we're always coming up with our, 
We've got our program. Programs are great. But but like we just don't want to build programs and ask God to touch them. We want to find out what God's doing and whatever we build, we build it around that. What are you doing? What are you doing? Okay. How can I? How can I? How can I serve you in this, Lord? Oh, you know what? We're gonna do this. We're gonna we're gonna make room because this is what God's doing. We're gonna put this. We're gonna steward this. And really, stewarding is like, thank you, God. So we're just gonna focus on this. This is what. So. So it happened, okay? As Samuel turned, as, as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. And, um, and so let's see, and the prophets met him. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, Saul, and he joined them in their prophesying. Uh, when, when all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, what is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? A side note, if we are going to journey with God, and if this is maybe a mess but for another day, but if we're going to journey with God, if we're disciples, what, what it means to be a disciple is basically you've chosen to follow a teacher. And so when you choose to follow a teacher with your life, you're also making some other announcements, whether verbally or what. But it's conscious. It's on purpose. And this is what you're saying. When you're going to follow a rabbi, which is how they saw Jesus, they called him rabbi. But if you're going to follow Jesus, the rabbi, then what it means is from this day forward, I'm following you. So whatever you say about life, I'm going to believe about life. I actually don't know anything until I've heard it from you. I don't know how to do I've got my ways of doing things, but I understand something along the way. You're going to correct me a whole lot, and you're going to show me your way, which is a better way, which is why I chose to follow you in the first place, because you, you are life. And, and so I say that to say this, that Saul was transformed into such a different man that everybody who knew him said, what happened to him? Is he a prophet now? We, they've never seen this before. This guy's hiding out and trying, you know, and, and, and I would say this, Mountain Chapel, that when God is, is moving powerfully in our midst, we have to live with room for one another to grow. We, we have to allow, you can't just say, well, like, it's what they, even Jesus got this. Come on, the carpenter's son, give me a break. Well, he's the son of God. And, and so, like, but, but when we bought, when we just, you know, because sometimes, it, well, there's a lot of reasons we do that. But when we're concerned about our own place and we get our identity and from things that really aren't from Papa himself, then, then like, if, you know, if Shanna gets a new anointing on her life or, or Hodme or something, all of a sudden, boom, you know, something starts happening, we got to celebrate that. We got to celebrate that. Why? Because God's doing it. And we like what God does. And, and so we go, man, I just love what God's doing. Whoever he does it with, however he does it, I love it. And so this happens when God changes lives by his presence. And I love that Saul just came into this presence of God. And immediately he was changed into a different man. That's what it says. Not like his atti- he got a better attitude. You know, or he got a new assignment. He became a different person, literally. 
And he became a king, is what happened. And, um, and so I just want to make that point today that we got to make room for one another. And also, we even, I would encourage you, be open for what God maybe wants to do with you. With you. Because often we do that. Like, well, yeah, I know, you know, it's like, well, I know Buck's going to go into the presence and, and be transformed. But, you know, and, and you know, uh, and I know Bill can, you know, and I know that can happen for Amy. But, you know, I'm not that kind of person that has that. Like, well, you know what? It doesn't really matter what kind of person you are. It matters what kind of God he is. <laughs> and, 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 and he, he says, he's, he pours himself out on all flesh. There's another thing. Like, people who encounter God is not a personality type. It's not, it's not a personality type. Oh, they're just kind of excited. Well, I mean, you might express it differently when God touches you. But when electricity, you know, when, when the 220 hits you, they're going to respond somehow. And, and, uh, and so, so let's make room for, for God to do what he wants to do. Um, so it's the Spirit of God that gives new birth and is the transforming power in the life of the believer. It begins in the Spirit and it continues by the Spirit of God. That's what, that's what Paul wrote to the Galatians about. I think it's important to note that the only difference between you and me and the world is the presence of God. Right? Like, Fenton was one guy, but then he got born again and God moved inside of him. And then he was a different man. That happened to me. That happened to you. And so I think that's important that when we realize that really the only difference between me and somebody who doesn't know the Lord is that God lives inside of me, that I know God. But it's not what I know. It's the fact that he lives inside of me, that I'm one with him. It's his presence that makes me different. Have you thought about it that way? And I love that. I had a friend years ago that I worked with. I developed a friendship with him. And he was in Narcotics Anonymous and uh, had been clean for a good number of years, which I was super happy about. He had a, a higher power, I guess, of some sort. And, and, um, and you know, but he didn't really... And, and, and I'm telling him about Jesus because I got delivered from, from stuff too. You know, and I'm like, that's great, man. I'm so glad you're clean. I, I just want you to know Jesus. Like, and um, for years he told me, well, once you're an addict, you're always an addict. And I was like, no, I don't believe that. The Bible says, the Bible says if any man's in Christ, it's a new creature. And, and it says he, the son sets free, is free indeed. So, so I, I'm not an addict anymore. And, and I, and, and I, I'm free. And, and, uh, and so over time, we had a friendship, you know, we worked together for like years and, and a handful of years. One day he said to me, he goes, you know, I, I've watched you and you show no signs of, you have no behaviors of an addict. He acknowledged the new creation truth. And I said, yeah, because I'm not, man. And uh, we were talking uh, another time and he asked me, he said, do you think you're better than me? <laughs> Which I never treat, you know, I mean, I treat him like a friend, you know, and and he goes, do you think you're better than me? And I thought, I said, no, better off. 
And uh, so I know that's kind of a bold thing to say, but it was what the Lord gave me in the moment. I said, no, bet, better off. And he looked at me and he goes, like you could tell it, it, it landed in his heart and he was pondering it. And um, anyway, so cool to see. But, you know, you're not going to get arrogant when you remember, like, where you came from. You know, and um, and so, yeah. You know, I want to tell you a, another story. Uh, I had a student four years ago. And um, you guys, give me ten minutes. Um, time flies. Well, um, a few years ago, I had a student in my revival group in BSSM four years ago about. And um, I was, uh, she started to open up to me. It was like toward the end of school. And I would go up by my, there's like a table that I would be at. And my, anyway, I had like 60, 65 students. And I'd go up there in breaks at the end of the day so that I could see them in passing and, and uh, give them hugs and sometimes whack them. And... Um, Lucy interned for me in BSSM, so it's cool to see you here today, Lucy. And um, anyway, so we're talking, and and she's just, you just want to do what the Lord's doing. So, like, she just starts to open up her heart and share just where she's been, just where she's hung up, you know? And um, and uh, so I'm just listening and listening to the Lord, and whatever the Lord has given me, I'm giving to her, and Kind of, it's kind of a kind of a counseling in the presence type uh, time, and we made some headway. We were we were making some headway. There was some breakthrough happening, and we got to the point. We I'd stayed after. We were up in the lobby for quite a while, and uh, and I, I just got to this. I got to this point where I thought I felt from the Lord. That's enough for today. We we got some ground. I was I'm just going to pray for her and bless her, and I said, you yeah, know, so. Um, so I prayed for her, and I said, oh, you know what, and uh, I don't know, probably just gave her a hug or something, and, and I, so we stood up to leave, and this is when the good stuff happened, God, she stands up, she takes a few steps, I'm like, all right, we're going home now, she takes a few steps, and it was like, boom, it was like the power of God just hit her in the gut, and she kind of like folded and hit the wall. And slid down. And she was just like, oh, and she just started groaning because of the power of God. And she she went into an encounter with the Lord, which led to me staying longer because now God was there. So I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. So so she's laid out on the floor and I came over here somewhere and I'm just I just lay down because I'm like, well, Lord, I'm going to sit. I'm just going to lay right here while you're moving. And, oh, you know, so I'm just, God's there. You got her. I'm just going to receive from you myself. And um, that led, she was a new person after that day. You know what? She was so, like, thinking about everything. You know, we can overthink sometimes, and we can all do that. And um, and she was just thinking about everything. But then God just came and encountered her with his love. She staggered home. That I knew who um, she was living with, and he goes, "What happened with her?" That he goes, "She staggered home at some time at like seven or eight, and uh, and she was like all night. You know, she just kept encountering God, and for days after that, 
she said she went into an encounter with the Lord. She goes, God took me to a river and he took my brain out and it just washed away. And I was like, I was like, I was like praise God. And um, she's still a really smart young lady, but she learned to surrender her thoughts and put it into submission to God's presence. And um, isn't that amazing? Let me read you another story. This is Charles Finney, okay? I'm just going to read what he wrote. You guys know who Charles Finney is? One of my favorite revivalists of all time. Oh, man. God, God moved in such ways that entire regions came under the presence of God. And there was one place that he was that, you, like, horse and buggy. There was a family traveling through on horse and buggy. Nobody even talked to him, but God's presence had manifested so powerfully in the region that they were just traveling through. They weren't even going to stop. And they stopped because God's presence was so heavy upon them. And they, they were like, I don't know what's going on. i got to find out. And they just had to repent. And somebody helped them and they gave their lives to the Lord. Just by God being present in a region. So I'm going to read this. It's a little... It's worth it. Probably no name is more recognized when the subject of revival is mentioned than Charles Finney. As a young attorney, Charles found many... References in the Bible um, uh, to the Bible in his law books. He decided to buy a Bible and was soon spending much of his time studying the scriptures and became concerned for his soul. However, pride became an obstacle uh, to his accepting Christ. He was unwilling to let anyone know that he was studying the Bible. If anyone would come in, he would throw the law books on top of the Bible to hide what he was doing. But he was hungry. God had him, right? Um, On October 10th, 1821, at the age of 21, he decided he would settle these questions of his salvation and make his peace with God. Great joy filled his heart when he got saved. He said, no word can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love, and I bellowed out the, the, the unutterable gushing of my heart. These waves came over me and over me and over me. One after another, I recollect, I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me, Lord. I cannot bear any more. The same evening, a choir member um, of a church he had attended came to his office and saw him weeping. He asked, Finney, Mr. Finney, what ails you? Are you in pain? No, but so happy I cannot live, he replied. (laughs) Uh, The church members rushed out of the office and asked the leader of the choir to come and hear his testimony. At the conclusion of Finney's conversion testimony, this man fell on the floor and cried, "Uh, Do pray for me to be converted. Upon seeing several other salvations sooner for this, Finney had the impression that God wanted him to preach the gospel and that he must begin immediately. I found that I was unwilling, he said, to do anything else. I had no longer any desire to practice law. I had no disposition to make money. I had no hungering and thirsting after worldly pleasures and amusements in any direction. Nothing, it seemed, could be put in in competition with the worth of souls. And no labor could be so sweet as that of holding up Christ to a dying world. 
When Finney began to preach, American churches were in bad condition, being divided basically into two groups, the Universalists and Hyper-Calvinists. So the Christians as individuals and churches felt no responsibility to spread the gospel. And I've found this. I've found this. This this is one of the enemy's tactics. Like, you know, like I've seen this, these different types of belief systems where it's like... um, Hey, you know, there's actually universalism is not new, but people actually there's some people, not a lot. People are embracing that today. I've heard it around and and not a lot. I don't want to make a big deal about it. I don't want to give it much attention. But there are people that are like, hey, well, Christ died for all. Everybody's saved no matter what they do. Baloney. That's baloney. Like he died for all. But it's by faith in Christ that we're saved, you know. And so, um. So that, or the other end is hyper-Calvinism, which means you can only be saved if God chose you to be saved. God didn't choose everybody to be saved. Do you see the effect on the church that that has? No one preaches the gospel. Because if everyone's saved, why preach the gospel? And if only a few people are saved anyway, and they're going to be saved no matter what, still, why preach the gospel? And I have a problem with both of those because it releases the church from the only thing Jesus asked us to do, which was to preach the gospel and to, sh- to, to be a witness. And so anyway, moving on. Um, so uh, <clears throat> it's getting to the good part here. Finney preached that Christ died for all men and that it was the responsibility of every believer to spread the gospel. OK, here we go. He was given the responsibility to preach in two small villages in New York. At one of these villages, Evan Mills, he would not only preach on Sunday, but weeknights. The people enjoyed his sermons, but when he concluded, and they had never experienced the new birth, they would not make a decision to accept Christ. He gave them an ultimatum. Charles was so intense. Like, I, I don't know if I would do it this way, but, but God used him. And... Um, and he, he must have led him to do it. And so he gave an ultimatum in his evening message. Now I must know your minds, he would say. And, and I want all of you uh, who, who will give your pledge to make peace with God immediately to rise up. All. All of you who resolve not to become Christians and wish, and wish me to understand so and, and uh, Christ to understand, so remain sitting. <laughs> Uh, uh, so this shocked the congregation. They looked at one another and at me and all sat still just as I expected. He spoke again. Then you are committed. You have taken your stand. You have rejected Christ and his gospel. You may remember as long as you live that you have thus publicly committed yourselves against the Savior. (laughs) I'm glad it doesn't stop there. The congregation left some angry. Some with heads hung down in shame. One of the few members and deacons who had been born again came to him and said, Brother Finney, you've got them. They cannot rest under this. You'll see the results. I love those encouragers, right? Together, they spent the next day in prayer and fasting, something Finney always practiced when results did not come. By the next evening, they left assured the power of God would be revealed. The church was packed. As he preached, he said when he preached, it was like a hammer breaking a rock. The conviction was so strong. But instead of giving an invitation, he dismissed the service. It was more than people could bear. 
And now he's just like letting him stir up. And uh, that night, many heard crying out to God and many were saved. Early in his ministry, he met a believer named Daniel Nash. So Daniel became a prayer, uh, an intercessor for him. So moving on, he, he was accused of, of letting down the dignity of the pulpit, criticized for not preaching like the other ministers did. He answered, show me fruit of your ministry. And if they so far exceed mine as to give me evidence that you have found a more excellent way, I will adopt the views. He was so intense. It, it did not matter how wicked the place was, for Finney would go preach and revival would follow. He had heard about a wicked village and decided to go and preach. He preached on the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, <laughs> and he said, and, he, and, he, and his text was, Up, get you from this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. <laughs> the, the Lord looked as if they were angry. Uh, the people looked as if they were angry. They looked at each other. And it means the anger rose higher and higher. And I continued. The congregation began to fall from their seats and cried for mercy. If I had a, this is what Charles said. If I had a sword in each hand, I could not have cut them from their seats as fast as they fell. And <laughs> indeed, nearly the whole congregation were either on their knees or prostrate in less than two minutes. Everyone prayed for himself who was able to speak. Then he could only sit still and see the salvation of the Lord by the spontaneous movement of the Holy Ghost in converting sinners. Then he says that the most amazing displays of God's power in his life uh, came one day when he went to visit a cotton factory in New York Mills, a small town in Utica, New York. Prior to his visit to the factory, more than 500 converts were reported saved, and in short, in a short time, he had been in Utica. Unusual conversions were reported. A proud disbelieving school teacher came to make light of what was happening to her friend who had been saved when she too was suddenly convicted and lost, uh, of her lost condition. Not long afterwards, she married and, became, uh, and the couple became um, missionaries to the Sandwich Islands where God used them both mightily. Everyone in the area heard about what was going on. They were divided. As Finney walked into the cotton mill, one of the opponents of the meeting, a young lady employee, saw him looking at her co-employee. She began to laugh. Some writers say that she made a cynical remark about Finney and his meeting. In spite of prayer, Charles Finney simply looked at this young lady without saying a word. As he kept looking at her, being grieved by her criticism, the lady stopped working as she had broken her thread. She became so upset that she couldn't repair the thread and started again. The Spirit of God mightily convicted her of her sin to the point that she began to weep. Soon her companions were convicted and began to weep. A chain reaction occurred as hundreds began to be overcome by their lost condition. The factory owner, seeing this, was deeply moved himself and said, Stop the mill and let the people attend to religion. For it is far more important that our souls be saved than the factory run. Oh, man, it goes, it goes on. But in, in the Rochester Revival, with Rochester, New York, in, 19, in 1830, over 10,000 people were converted. Somebody said about that revival that they said you could scarcely find an unbeliever. 
city of Rochester. And it started with the, it started with, as you will, I just think people are people, right? But the way they write it, common, it started with common people, and it just rose to every, it just spread to every part of society, doctors, lawyers, judges, business owners, people were saved. And, and so, you know, I'm just stirred up. And, and so, uh, I had more stories today, we'll tell some more, and I think I'll just continue like, sharing some of these just here and there uh, throughout. But, but I think, you know, I just want us to feed on, when I read these kinds of stories, you know what it reminds me? It reminds me, this is who God is. These are not special occasions. This is what God wants to do. And there's no pressure on us to make it happen. All we, all, like our part is just to love God, to partner with Him. And so I saw something last night, and in closing today, uh, I just want to give room. I really felt today that there were those who wanted, uh, who, who would like to receive a refreshing from the Holy Spirit today. And very simply, He's here. He's here from the beginning. He's here in the worship. And um, and so if that's you today, and you say, you know what? Yeah, like I. You know what? I, I'm still great. I love the Lord. But I, I want to refresh you today from the Holy Spirit. Would you stand right where you are? I actually saw you standing. And I, I just believe as you stand, the Lord is just, gonna, is just beginning right now to rest upon you. Uh, yes, have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. As you're being refreshed right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yeah, if you feel moved, you can, whatever you feel to do to respond to the Lord, you have freedom to do that. You can come to the front, you can stand where you are, it doesn't matter, but thank you. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We love you. We love you. We thank you for those waves and waves of your liquid love rolling over us today. I just see God just lifting burdens today. I, I, I felt that earlier. The Lord just reminded me. I just, I just saw the Lord. It, you know, it was like when He said, All those who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. I'll give you rest for your soul. Soul rest. <laughs> there you go. Somebody just got it. <laughs> yeah. Just continue to receive. And, uh, I felt that there would be somebody here today that right up here in the top of the bridge of your nose, like, I never even thinking like that, but I don't know if it's pain or uh, at the very top of the nose there. Is, it, is that you, anybody you know, just touch right there? Is you? Raise your hand if that's you. Okay, right over here. Yeah, okay, well, thank you, Father, you're healed in Jesus' name. And, I mean, God declared it, so he's doing it. And, and uh, I just, I, I, knew, I feel that there's ringing in the ears, like tinnitus, which is ongoing, they call it, that's ringing in the ears. If that's you, just raise your hand today. There's a lot of that. Whoa, we silenced that ringing. Hey, in Jesus' name. Hey, healing. Thank you, Father. Yeah. Yeah. As that ringing stops, why don't you just begin to wave your hands over your head? If it's happening now, and you would know the difference. And, uh, Father, we thank you for that. And, um, st- uh, just stomach issues. Yeah. 
You don't have to. You don't have to need a healing today. Uh, what? Go ahead. Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, there's a few. So we say healing prayers. If you're around those who got who have their hands raised, actually, why don't you just raise your hand if that's you? If you raise your hand for healing, um, put your hand up. And if you're around them, just go ahead, church. Lay your hands on them and just, um, just, just say, just say very simply, just say thank you, Lord. Be healed in Jesus' name. Just, just declare the healing over them because you're anointed for that. Thank you, Father. Um, listen, uh, if you want to receive prayer today, uh, please. I, I, we went a little bit over today, a little long, and so I just want to thank you so much for your patience and um, your grace on that. And um, we want to journey together, and uh, and we we couldn't be more happy about it. And um, uh, we we. We're just so happy to be here and to be a part of, of what the Lord is doing. We just agree that this is a place for you, God, for people to encounter you. This is your house. We're your house. Yeah, whoa, there. Raise your hand if you just felt that. And, and what I've found, as, as we're releasing right now, what I've found is, that when you feel, when I have experienced that, just a, a touch from the Lord, whenever I linger, I, I've often found that that increases. Like when I just linger a little bit, and I'm just going to wait and see what, what this turns into, like in other words. And so, so feel free. If you, if you need to be released today, bless you as you go. It's a beautiful day. And so, Father, I thank you that what you are doing will continue. In Jesus' name. So... Bless you guys. Thank you so much. And uh, again, we're, all, we're going to wait around. We'll pray for whoever. If you're being touched by the Lord, please, please feel free to, to wait. Team's up here.